So tonight uh, is what we typically refer to as our upper room nights. And really what the upper room nights is really about is just an opportunity for us to just dig in a little bit deeper, to draw a little bit closer, to consider the truth in God's word. And tonight I want to talk to you on the topic of God unmuted. God unmuted. And I want us to do a little exercise real quick. I want you to go real quiet, and I just want to just take 30 seconds of silence, complete silence. And as you're doing that, I want to ask you a question. What do you hear? What do you hear? Now, for many of you, you might say, I hear nothing. I hear silence. But the reality is that it doesn't change the truth that there are many voices speaking at this moment. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. There's my voice. There's the voice of your thoughts. Right? There's a whole host of voices speaking at this very moment. And to hear any one of them is simply a matter of choosing what you will tune into. Track with me for a moment. Follow where I'm going with this. For example, as I'm speaking to you right now, if you wanted to tune me out, you could. You might be. Simply by engaging with your thoughts about your plans. Maybe considering your worries. Maybe going through your priorities. Maybe thinking about some memories. Some of us can, you, you could tune me out right now if you wanted to by simply picking up your phone. How many of how many of you know that people have gotten real good at that, mm -hmm. right? You ever talk to somebody, they're like right there in front of you, and they're looking at their phone, and it's like the world went silent? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? The world that we live in today, right? You could, you could connect with your emails, your social media. You could converse with someone via text. You could play a game. My point is simply this, that there's always something and someone to tune into today. You know, every week... I head up to the gym in the early morning hours to run, you know, to hit the treadmill and then to strength, to strength train, just something I started doing this year, you know, dis in a disciplined manner. And one of the things that drives me crazy about the gym that I go to is the televisions that are everywhere. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's TVs in front of every treadmill, every elliptical, every rowing machine. There's TVs on the wall. There's TVs here. TV, there's TVs everywhere. And they're all projecting and broadcasting all types of information. There's, uh, they're broadcasting everything from the news to reality shows, to sports, to movies, to uh, interviews, everything and anything that you can think of. And so this past Monday, I got up early, as I usually do, and I went out to the gym, and I get in front of my treadmill, and I'm about to start running after having stretched, and the TV's on in front of it, so I shut it off. But I can't turn off the TVs next to me and all around me. And so, basically, I'm going crazy while I'm starting to run, right? And I've got all this information coming at me. And it struck me that all these shows and all these messages are always present, even when the televisions are off. Hear where I'm coming from with this. It's a matter of having the right receiver and tuning it. And in the same way... I submit to you that God is always present and his voice is always speaking 
according to wisdom. We are not without direction. There's a reason why the scripture says that you have an anointing and you know all things. Because God is always present. His wisdom is always available. Right? We are not without direction. The scripture tells us that we have the mind of Christ. Now, it's a different story if we use the mind of Christ. Right? My point is that God's voice is always available and speaking. But if we are to restore our connection with him, we must mute everything that pulls us away from him. And we must unmute his voice by tuning in to what he is saying. I want you to really think about this. Now, as humans, we were created to commune with God, our creator. As a matter of fact, we long for that. It's instilled within each of us to have the capacity to hear God. Listen, there's an entire industry referred to as the psychic industry that makes billions of dollars a year tapping into the desire of people that want to hear from a higher source of power. And unfortunately, what we see is there's a tragedy because people are being misled because they don't know that God is a communicator and that God is not silent. He's always speaking. And so I feel like sometimes we approach God this way. We hear God like this. And we're saying, but I can't hear you, God. What are you saying? What's your direction? What's, what, what does your word tell me? What, is, what, is, what am I supposed to do here? And we hear God this way. As if God is the problem. And in reality, God is always speaking. He's always available. He's always speaking within your heart. He's always providing guidance. He's always leading. He's always showing us things that are to come. God is always speaking. The issue isn't God. The issue is our willingness and our receptivity to hear. Are you hearing where I'm coming from? I want to talk to you tonight a little bit on this because I know some of us are questioning, well, how do you do that? Let me tell you what the scripture says. Let me give you some context for the reality that God isn't the issue. Hebrews 12, 25 says this. It says, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. And I want you to hone in on the word of God because what we see is that the writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, warned us not to reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. Notice, this is present tense. Notice, it doesn't say that will speak to us, that has spoke to, spoken to us. It's literally telling us that God is speaking to us. Could it be 
that God is speaking to you, yet you're unknowingly rejecting him. Could it be? Could it be that if there's a breakage in communication, in hearing God, that we're actually rejecting him? Now, I know that none of us wants to believe that we reject God. But it is true, we do. Let me give you scripture for that. Romans 13, 11. I'm reading from the paraphrase, the message version. It says, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off oblivious to God. Let me ask you a question. You ever been there? Come on now, let's be honest. We've been there. We're so busy with the day-to-day monotony, work, the kids, this, that. I got to send out these emails. I got to do these things. I got to take care of my yard. I got to handle these bills. I got to make sure I'm prepared for this. I'm thinking about that. I got all these things coming up this week. I'm already planning not to be in church on Sunday because I have to do this. I'm already planning not to do these things for God, to spend time with God because I'm doing this. I want to do it, but... I don't have time. Let me ask you a question. Every single person has how many hours in the day? 24 hours, right? How many minutes you got in an hour? 60 minutes. Jesus had the same amount of time as us when he subjected himself to the flesh. And yet he maximized that time. See, it's an issue of stewardship. How are you managing God's time? It's sad to say that many, many people go about absorbed with their daily lives. And when you're absorbed with your daily life, here's what begins to happen. You begin to lose passion. You begin to lose that fire that you once had for the things of God. That love that once existed begins to grow cold and seem distant. The Bible says, it classifies that this way. You've grown oblivious to what God is saying. You've grown cold to what God is doing. So I submit to you, God is speaking. My question is, are we listening? Are you truly listening to God? Are you truly listening to God? And I'll tell you, I was just having a conversation with someone (laughs) just today. We were talking about this. And in the midst of this conversation, I had one of those where I said, you're not going to like what I'm about to tell you. So you're not going to like what I'm about to tell you. He says, all right, Pastor, what is it? I said, every time I hear you say, now I'm encouraging your faith, and every time I hear you say, I hear you, but, and here's what I told him. I said, my brother, here's the reality. You hear from God, but are you listening to God? Which leads me to something that I want to touch on. 
I feel like God is saying, hello, is anyone there? Hello? In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, we have a very familiar passage of scripture um, that reveals to us that Jesus has and always will desire to talk with you. But it's up to us how we respond. And this desire is depicted in Revelation 3.20. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. It's a paraphrase, but I love the way it, it, it conveys it. It says, Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come into you and feast with you and you will feast with me. Real quick, quick question. Show me your ears. Show me your ears. Show me your ears. Right? Now, I submit to you that you're wrong. Let me read to you the scripture again. Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice. You don't listen to God with your ears. We listen to God with the heart. And for some of us, that's where we're struggling. Man, I was there. My wife could tell you. It used to drive me nuts. People used to say, God told me. I would literally say in the middle of a group, what do you mean God told you? How did God tell you? What does this voice sound like? When did this happen? Could you record it? Like, I was literally that upfront about it. Like, what are you talking about God spoke to you? I love the way the Aramaic puts this in the original language. It says, I have been standing at the door knocking. Knocking. Listen, God is speaking to our hearts. He's speaking directly to the very place that's most important to grasp our attention, the place of belief. And what I love about this portion of scripture is that the knocking in this verse alludes to the process of an ancient Jewish wedding proposal. See, back in those days, a, a bridegroom wouldn't just show up and say, would you marry me? He would actually show up with his father. And he and the father would come to the door of the bride. This was like a ritual. This was a process. He would show up to the door of the bride-to-be carrying a betrothal cup of wine and the bride price. It was a monetary gift to show his commitment and to honor the family so that they would understand that this is the wife that he desires to marry. And so standing outside, the father would be with the son and they would knock. And if she opened the door completely, a fully open door, she was communicating and saying, I will be your bride. Jesus and his father, in the same way, are knocking on the doors of our hearts, inviting us to be his bride. Listen to me. This is an exclusive position that we are being invited to. Let me tell you something. I love you. I love you, gentlemen. I love you, ladies. I love God. But next to Jesus and God, let me tell you who's got an exclusive position in my life. That woman right there exclusive she's got exclusive benefits exclusive rights exclusive attention exclusive provision exclusive sacrifices she gets that and I want you to consider that we have an invitation and the reason why Jesus knocks is because he desires 
exclusive attention and time with you and I. Did you catch this? Did you? No, no, listen. Did you catch this? Jesus and the Father as one are knocking at the door saying, I want to give you exclusive rights. With that exclusive right, let me tell you, there are conversations that I will have with my wife that I would never have with you. There are things that I would share with my wife that I would not share with you or with anyone. There is special attention that I devote to my wife that I won't devote to some of you. I'm, I'm just being honest. Why? Because we have an exclusive, intimate relationship. Do you realize that you have that with the Father? Yes. Are you listening and hearing? I'm right here. And what I love about the, ori uh, the original language here in the Aramaic is that it doesn't say that he knocks at the door and goes, all right, nobody's home. No, it says, I'm standing at the door and I continue to knock. What does that tell us? My friend, I submit to you, God is still speaking to you. Maybe right now, you're just starting to realize that. And so, I want to dig into this a little bit, and I want us to see just three simple application steps on, in, in a sense, unmuting the voice of God, tapping into the voice of God. And I began to allude to this, but I'll just make this statement as a beginning. It says, listening to God is more than the act of hearing from God. Listening to God is more than the act of hearing from God. I know that sounds like one and the same, but it's not. Let me ask you this. How many of you read your Bible? Come on, wave at me. All right, maybe your Bible's on your phone. How many of you read a Bible app? Right? Okay. Right? You read your Bible. Good. Good. You're online. Let us know. Yeah, give us a emoji. Yeah, yes. You read your Bible. That's awesome. So I submit to you that you're already hearing from God. Watch this. So how then is it that so many Christians today believe that they aren't hearing from him? And I would say this to you. It's because while we're hearing from God, we're not listening to God. Now, listening is a decision of the heart before you enter into any conversation. Husbands, for those of you that are here and online, I'm not asking you to tell on yourself, but you'll understand where I'm coming from. You ever been in one of those conversations where you are in a conversation with your wife? And as you're talking with your wife, as you're hearing her express or say whatever she's saying that's on her heart or on her mind, you're already coming up with an answer. Like you're already, you're already providing the solution before she even told you there's a problem. You ever been there? Guys, we are notorious for this. I'm telling you, we are. Right? We listen to respond. Or should I say we hear to respond. But you see, listening entails something more. Listening entails understanding and valuing the one communicating to us. That's different. So some of us approach God in this way. We hear from God. Listen, you open your Bible. Great. You heard from God. You listen to messages. Great. You heard about God. 
You do some devotional time and you read certain books. Great. You're hearing from God. But the question is, are you actively listening to God? Are you listening for his voice? Are you becoming familiar with God himself? Matthew 13, 11 through 15 gives us an understanding why some people are not listening and instead prefer their own understanding. Listen to start, starting at verse 11. It says, whenever someone has a what? A ready heart. Come on, work with me here. Whenever someone has a what? A ready heart for this. The insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no what? Readiness. Any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories. It's referring to parables. To create readiness. To nudge the people toward receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen to their blue in the face and not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast, let's talk about his prophecy in the Old Testament, repeated all over again, which says this. Your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. These people aren't blockheads. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look. So they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. Now let me point your attention to something in this scripture. If we could just go back to verse 11 in Matthew 13. I want you to see what it says. Whenever someone has a ready heart. A ready heart. You know, listening to God requires readying our hearts. Readying our hearts. Let me give you an example of that from Psalm 27, verse 8. It says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. That desire that you have to be intimate with God, to draw close to God, to know God, that's an acknowledgement of hearing God. And he says, my heart has heard you say, come talk with me. Watch this. And my heart responds, Lord, I am what? I am coming. The heart becomes ready when we decide that we will act upon what we hear before we ever hear God speak. It's a decision before you ever have the encounter. Let me tell you why that's so good and so rich and so valuable and it's worth us really internalizing and doing something with. Let me go back to husbands. Husbands, when you decide ahead of time, I'm going to actually listen. I'm going to strive to understand. How does that conversation go? It goes real good. Communication actually flows. Connection actually happens. Intimacy actually takes place. What I'm saying to you is this, that in the same manner, we must readily make that decision on a day-to-day -day basis. Lord, you are speaking, and I am coming. Amen. It reminds me of a young Samuel. And this isn't even in my notes, so I won't get too much into it. But young Samuel... At a very young age, he was growing up in service to the Lord, in the house of the Lord. Yep. 
And he heard the Lord call his name, but he thought it was Eli the priest. And three times he got up, two times he got up and he went and he said, I'm here, uh, sir, speaking to the, to the high priest. says, what, what would you have me do? And the priest says, I didn't call you. After the second time, the high priest discerns what's going on. He realizes he's hearing God's voice. What I love about that is that the third time he hears the voice and he followed the instruction that he was given. He said, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak. Listen to what I'm saying to you here. There is a readiness in the heart that must take place. A decision that says, I choose the voice of God above anything and everything, always. I desire your voice, Lord. I will not make a decision without your input. But what if, what if I'm not getting what I need to hear? Then you don't need it. You don't need it. I'd rather not make a decision because I haven't heard from God than make a decision on my own, especially a big one, and have missed God. Don't make that mistake. You know, the reason why we should continually gather on occasions like tonight, read the Bible, study the scriptures, and surround ourselves with anything and everything that exposes us to God is because it prepares the heart. It readies the heart. Let me ask you a question. How did you learn the English language? How did you learn it? Do you, do you even remember that? Most of us don't. You know why? Because it's become automatic. But I submit to you that you learned it by repetition. You learned it by careful attention. You learned it by practice. You learned it by speaking it. Right? You learned it by continually using it. Until this day, you use it. It is second nature to you. It's a part of your being. It's a part of your identity. What would happen if we took the word of God in like manner and we studied it and we ingested it and we surrounded ourselves with it and we filled our ears with it and we, in, we, we had just an overflow of the word of God all the time, as, as often as we can. We filled our minds, filled our hearts instead of filling ourselves with CNN. Instead of filling yourself with the radio that you listen to, with the junk that you listen to from back in the days, that that's my song. Let me tell you, when you listen to that song, it's not just a song you're listening to. It's a moment that you're reliving because it takes you back to a place, to a space, to a time in your life that most likely was before Christ. Just saying. See, and anybody got a phone? You got your phone on? These little things right here are powerful. And I submit to you that anything that's good, the enemy, try, he perverts, and he uses for evil. And there are too many Christians today, too many people today, young and old, and everything in between, and we have grown glued to these phones. 
We're losing relationships. We're losing opportunities to learn. We're losing opportunities to grow with one another. You know, I've heard some people say, oh, I don't have no relationship with my parents. Okay, that might be true. Does your phone take up more of your relationship? Got mighty quiet. I want you to think about this. Right? We're so glued to these things. And, I'm, and, I, and I want you to think about this in terms of having an overflow and acquainting ourselves with the voice of God. You, some of you might think, I've, I've had it said, well, pastor, you're a pastor. You do this for a living. You're always reading the word. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. But I am a student of the word. I'm a student of the word. There is an app. Everybody pull out your phone. Pull out your phone. You have permission to use your phone. It's okay. It's all right. Teens, don't worry about it. Your parents ain't going to yell at you for using your phone. You're good. Right? Go to your app store. Right? Oh, for those of you that have a J phone, that means go to your Google Play store. Right? Because iPhones, right, we use the app store. Y'all didn't get that. That was a lot funnier in my head. Anyway. You need to get on that Apple Flow. Anyway, that was free, Apple. You can reimburse us for that. <laughs> but look up in your search engine on your, Apple, on, on your Google Play Store, your Apple Store, look up the app Blue Letter Bible. Blue Letter Bible. And download it when you get a chance. Do it now if you can. And I'm going to tell you why I want you to do that. Because... I don't just read the word. You know, there's a reason why the Bible says don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Because by doing the word, we're training ourselves to receive instruction. We're training ourselves to know how to steward the word of God, how to act upon it, how to hear from God. And uh, let me just go back to this example of stewardship for a moment before we go back to this app. If you can't steward reading the word, you can't steward hearing from God. Let me say that again. If you can't even apply yourself to reading the word of God, why would you think that you're going to hear from God? You can't. You know why? Because God only speaks according to his word. Got real quiet in here. Y'all with me? Y'all good? Come on, somebody online. Say, I'm with you, Pastor. So why do I tell you get that app because this app is a really good app for studying the Bible you know what I do my early morning hours after I come back from the gym and walk the dogs and eat breakfast and all that I take my time I sit down with my cup of coffee and I read a chapter right now I'm reading the book of Psalms I'm up to Psalm 21 and here's what I do I'll read a psalm sometimes I might just read a verse Sometimes I might just get stuck on, stuck on half a verse. But here's what I do as I read it. I ask questions. I wonder what this means. What does it mean that he who uh, keeps counsel with the wise uh, and, and, and stays away from the wicked is like one who's planted by living streams of water? So I want to know what that means. So I go into my little Bible app. I put in the verse. I go to the interlinear link, I click on it, and now it gives me the Hebrew. 
and it gives me a code and I click on a code and I look at what planted means and I begin to see that it's talking about being established having strong roots mm. right and I'm saying oh wait so this is not me doing this this is as I expose myself to the things of God as I begin to surround myself with people of wise counsel all of a sudden God begins to establish my roots all of a sudden, I begin to take a hold of the things of faith. All of a sudden, I become strong, and I begin to flourish in due season. Yes. And I say, and you, and you know what I do? I take my little journal, and I write down the scripture according to the interpretation, and then I jot down some thoughts. And sometimes I'm just writing out a prayer, really. I'm being honest with God. I'm processing. And I revisit that from time to time throughout the day. Sometimes I'll go read another verse. But my point with that is this, as you begin to dig deeper, as you begin to go from hearing to listening, you then begin to discern God speaking. Does that make sense? Is that helping you? Man, I really do, I do, I really do pray that this is helping you. The next point I wanna leave you with is that if you're living while distracted, you're not really living. If you're living while distracted, you're not really living. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I find that a major blockage to hearing God's voice is distraction. It's distraction. Distraction comes in many forms. Forms like including busyness, sinful things that we might engage in, thoughts, actions, guilt, shame, idols, things that we begin to pursue, right? Now, I know that that's not an exhaustive, li exhaustive list, but there are, these are some major areas in which people become distracted from hearing God. It reminds me of a time in the scripture, and I won't get into it in, in great detail, but Jesus comes to a town, and the scripture tells us that two women who were sisters invite, them, invite him and the disciples to their, to their home. And when they arrive, the scripture depicts for us that everybody in the home is attentive to Jesus. They're all fixed on what he's teaching them. You see, Jesus is giving them life. you got to understand something, that the word of God is life. The scripture says that it is spirit. It is actually God transmitting something to us. This is more than just words on paper. This is life. And so Jesus is sharing life with these people. He's imparting into them. He's downloading things into them. But there was, while everyone was attentive to Jesus in this home, Everyone except one person, a woman named Martha, one of the sisters. And so Martha, the scripture tells us, was in the back. And li listen to why Martha was not attentive to Jesus. Luke 10, chapter 40 says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. You ever feel this way? I got to do this, I got to do that, and I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I'm just overwhelmed. You are heading in the wrong direction. You're distracted. You're distracted. And when we're distracted, it literally distracts us from the God who's with us. See, if you want to unmute God, you have to make it a discipline to focus so you can hear. Let me tell you what I'm talking about because I'm about to teach you something. 
Luke 10, 42 says this, that Jesus responds to her after she gets upset at her sister. She storms into the room. And she says, Jesus, tell Mary to come to the back and help me make all these preparations. She should be back there with me. And Jesus responds to her and says this, few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Only one is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. What is better. Listen to what Jesus, who said it? Jesus. Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said is better. Mary was at his feet, preferring to listen to him rather than to prepare something for him. That's a place of readiness. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Listen, everything that you get distracted with, you lose. You can't get a hold of it. You'll never grasp it. Whatever we get distracted in life is, is really a mirage. You might attain it, but how many times haven't you pursued something with all your heart only to go, eh, it's not all that. I swore that if I got to this income level that everything would be great. It's not all that. I'm not happy. I swore that if I got this house and I got the picket fence and I got the dog and I got the grass and I got the lawnmower and everything, that I would have arrived. It's not all that. It's not. And so it, it, it loses its luster. But Jesus says that the better thing is that thing that can't be taken away from you. You know why? Because it's within you. It fills you. You hearing me? See, there's nothing wrong with managing through the cares of life, but when you want to hear from God, he must be your only care. Let me ask you a question. Are you distracted? You know, distractions have a way of taking our focus off of God. We did an exercise during both our services this past Sunday that was full of distractions. And let me tell you, it drove people nuts. Drove people nuts. What do you mean there's no coffee? Could you believe it? They didn't even open the door. Nobody even sat me down. You know, oh my God, all the chairs, they were out of order. Right? Even the little kids, you should have seen in Bridge Kids, they went downstairs and it was a mess and they were like, what happened here? This is not right. Who did this? My granddaughter, who's one years old, started moving chairs, picking up toys. You know what that tells me? That deep within us, there's a knowing and an understanding that we are to reverence God. And I'm going to tell you why it's important to connect with that and to take that with us tonight. Because it's proof that we know what the one thing is that we need to focus on. See, I'm I'm, I'm teaching my nephew. He got his license, but I'm teaching him how to drive in certain regards. And there's this thing that I tell him when when we get in the car in the mornings, in his car. I say, focus, aim. Right? He goes... What? I'm like, watch where you're going. If you're turning this way, 
Don't keep looking this way. Follow the line that you're going. Wherever your eyes are, that's the direction the car is going to go. My friends, wherever your attention is, that's where your life is going to take you. It's time to let go of distractions. Because distractions rob you of truth. Oh, but all these things are happening in the world. But all these things, are t you know, all these things are happening. Look at everything they're saying in the news. And this happened and that happened and this is taking place. And what about the economy? Now they're talking about the grids. They're going to black out. And all this, and electricity. And we got we to gotta, we gotta stop using gasoline. And we got to stop cooking with gas. And we got to you know, let go of all these things. And there's no food. And, you know, the economy and inflation and this and that. You're distracted. You're distracted. Takes me back to a conversation I recently had with a friend. I said to him, you haven't been in a car crash? He said, yeah. Yeah, I got hit in a car. Yeah, I had an accident. I said, when you go to drive, do you think about that car crash? He says, no, absolutely not. I said, why not? He goes, because I'm not there. I, I, I got to drive. What if we approached life that way? <laughs> okay, so it happened. It doesn't have to keep happening to me. Come on. I don't have to keep living with this. I don't have to fill my ears with this. Well, what about what they're saying? What about what, what, what the president said? And what about what the politicians? What do you care what they said? What does God say? <laughs> Will you trust man or God? You know, I love you, right? All right, I, I, I'll close out with this because we need to get to communion and Sometimes hearing God requires tuning in to a different channel. Sometimes hearing God requires tuning into a different channel. You know, if you look at the lives of the disciples towards the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus is giving them great news. He's saying, guys, I'm going to go. But I got to go so that a better one comes. So you get something better. Where are you going, Jesus? Why can't we go with you? What do you mean they're going to crucify you? And I'll, I'll, I'll never, I would never betray you. I would never deny you. No, I'm with you to the death. I swear. I promise you, I would, I, I would never run away from you. I would never leave you in your darkest hour. I would never fall asleep on you when you needed me the most. But deep within, if you study the scriptures, what you'll see is that they were full of fear. They were full of doubt. And let me tell you why they were full of those fears and those doubts. Because they stopped filling themselves with what Jesus was actually telling them. Let me give you an example of what Jesus was telling them. John 16, 13 says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. And he will tell you about the future. And he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Let me tell you that if you're just operating by what you feel, by what you hear, and by what you see in this world, 
my friend, you will be mistaken every single time. Every single time. You know why? Because your feelings, what you see in this world, what you hear, what you've experienced, it'll go directly against what the truth of God's word says. You know, we recently had a tragedy happen in another state. Some kids, many kids lost their life. And I've heard some people say over the last several weeks, where was God? Why would God allow this? Let me tell you, God wasn't a culprit in this. God didn't say, oh, I'm going to let that happen so that I can teach them something. That's child abuse. Know where God was? He's always been speaking. He's always been leading. I guarantee you that person who committed that atrocious crime, according to the book of Romans, every single person has the opportunity where God speaks to them. But not everyone listens. Every single person. So where was God in the midst of that? God is good. But God is so good that he says this. I love you so much that I'm not going to force you to choose me. I'm going to present you truth. I'm going to surround you with people. I'm going to give you opportunities. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. You know what's the challenge with that in this world, how we complicate that? Sometimes bad people or people in general make bad choices that affect good people that affect innocent people. And where's God in the midst of this? His mercy. Where's God in the midst of this? His love. Where's God in the midst of this? His comfort. Where's God in the midst of this? Truth. Where's God in the midst of this? Helping hands. Where's God in the midst of this? Protection. People showing up, coming. God is always present. And I submit to you that in the same way, we have one that is greater than what we see than what we hear, than what we feel. We have the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And my people of God, it's time that we begin to tune into the things of the Spirit. Yes. You are more spiritual than you know. You are 100% Spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, water wall from top to bottom. The living God lives in you. Right. Are you even beginning to scratch at the surface uh -huh. of that? Do we even dare to go deeper than the surface? Let me tell you one way that you can do that. Romans 8.26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Watch this. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Listen closely. When you begin to go deeper than the surface, and you actually begin to seek out the deeper things of the Spirit, one of the things that begins to happen is that the Spirit of God begins to work in you in ways that don't make sense. Some people get spooked out by this, but let me tell you, this refers to the gift of praying in the Spirit. It's what some commonly refer to as speaking with tongues. Speaking in tongues. It is a powerful gift that God has given us but it attunes us 
directly with God. Let me show you that from Scripture. From Scripture. Jude chapter 1 verse 20 says this. I'm just going to paraphrase it because we're running out of time. It says, we build ourselves up in our most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. You build yourself up. You build up your faith. You bolster up that strength that is within you. You begin to make room for the Spirit of God to enlighten you, to work in you, to give you courage, to show you direction. And so we need to begin to tune in to God and tune out whatever it is Amen. that is distracting, that is robbing you. I guarantee you right now, if you just take one minute, and we're not going to do this, but if you just take one minute to sit with your thoughts, consider where your thoughts go. That will tell you where your heart is pointed. Because what's within you is what you will eventually hear. Is it worry? Is it doubt? Is it opinions of people? Is it a past? Is it work? Is it money? Is it fear? Is it insecurities? I asked you earlier to take a moment of silence and I asked you, what do you hear? I submit to you, you already know what's in your heart because you already heard it. The question is, now what will we do from this point forward? What change will you make? Sometimes you just got to turn off the TV. Sometimes you just really got to change the channel on life. I'm not interested in being up to date with the news. If it ain't the good news of Jesus Christ, it's not news. It's not. It's not worth it. I'm not saying we're oblivious to the matters of this world. We do have to know how to pray. We do know how to... We do have to know how to walk in wisdom, but that wisdom comes from knowing God, not from knowing what anyone said. And so as we close today with communion, let's stand for a moment. Let's honor God. And I'm going to paraphrase the words of Jesus, but I want us to do something different. I want you to envision yourself with Jesus right there in that moment. Close your eyes. Do whatever you got to do to do that. Cut out whatever distractions you need to cut out. It's not important. Whatever it is, it's not important. Focus. And I want you to envision Jesus right before you and Jesus saying, hey guys, this bread that we're breaking tonight signifies a whole lot more it signifies my body and I already told you that I would be given over to the high priests and the religious leaders and I'd be crucified but I'm telling you that my body has to be broken I have to take stripes on my back but it's for your good I want you to know that there's nothing better that you can take a hold of, that you can focus on, 
in the sacrifice that I made for you. Because in that sacrifice, I've given you healing. I've dealt with your bodily affliction. I'm taking on your punishment so that you don't have to endure the wrath of God, but so that you can be free. And I want you to take this bread tonight. And as often as you take it, break it and eat it, knowing this, that I was broken so that I could nourish you. So that I could feed you life. So that you could continually remember that I truly will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That I am all that you need and that I am the giver of life. Remember me. Remember me. Focus on me. You know, the moment you begin to focus your heart, you begin to turn your life. And I believe that tonight for some of us, we're taking a turn. Let me say this to you in the words of Jesus. Don't worry. Don't worry. I got this. Don't worry. I'm your provision. I'm taking care of you. I'm bringing you through. You're still standing because of me. Have I ever failed you? Have I ever not provided for you? When you couldn't see and you didn't know how it was going to work out, didn't it work out? It's me. I want you to envision in that very same moment right there with Jesus that he picks up a cup and he says, hey guys, this cup here is more than juice. This cup is a reminder to you. This is my blood shed for you. It's a new covenant. I'm making an unbreakable contract with you. I'm forgiving you even before you mess up. I'm committing to you before you ever break your commitment to me. I'm declaring to you that what I am doing is for eternity and you can't change it. I want you. I desire nothing more than relationship with you. I love you. And for that reason, I willingly go to a cross and I die, and I willingly shed my blood for you so that no longer will any sacrifices have to be made before God. I'm enough, and you're enough to me. It's why I'll pay the ultimate price. And so this cup, when you drink it, remember that. Remember me. Remember my love for you. Take, drink, in remembrance of me. Lord, tonight, as we come to a close, Lord, 
We may close our time here, Lord, but we do not close our hearts. Lord, we are your people called by your name. And Lord, we exist to live in relationship with you. You are a great communicator, Lord. You are speaking to our lives and our hearts. You're drawing us back to where it all started. Just you and us. I feel like God's saying to, to some of us here tonight, it's just you and me. But don't forget that it's just you and me. I'm here. We need to thank God for that. We need to praise God for that. We need to rejoice in the goodness of God. Father, thank you tonight for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your voice that continues to speak, your commitment that is without end. Thank you, Lord, that tonight you draw us back. You remind us, I'm still standing here knocking because I'm still speaking because my plan is still short. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. We love you. We worship you. We praise you, Lord. We focus on you. Thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for your great sacrifice. Thank you for your life and the life that you've given us. We declare that tonight with pure joy and thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.